Hi there, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the weekly wrap. It is the 11th of June. What's on the agenda today? We will discuss the geopolitics, the G7 fallout and North Korea. We will reiterate our position on financials that we have brought down from an overweight position now to a neutral. And finally, we'll give you an EM update as well, relating it to the ongoing tumult that we are seeing in Brazil. So, bad blood between the US and its traditional allies continues to circulate, as this weekend's G7 in Canada once again illustrated. Trump continued his protectionist rhetoric, leaving many on the European and Canadian side frustrated, culminating in probably the least productive G7 meeting in recent times. Not surprisingly, over the last few hours, many articles have been written about the US going rogue, and destroying the Western liberal order. And no doubt, these developments are far from ideal, but also we should not blow them out of proportion. The actions taken so far have been minimal and will not have a macroeconomic impact. For the most part, this is about domestic politics in the US, whereby Trump is seeking to rally his base. He knows that if he pushes too far in an extreme direction, it would cause a major sell-off in the financial markets and thus imperil the current upswing we are seeing in the US economy, thereby hurting him even more politically. In other words, while trade fears need to be taken seriously, our view remains that these risks are contained. Meanwhile, beyond the G7 fallout, a lot of attention this week will be on the Kim-Trump summit, which will be tomorrow in Singapore. So what is likely to happen here and what does it mean for markets? Well, some form of diplomatic settlement does appear increasingly likely, potentially even the full denuking by the North Koreans. Why would this be possible now? Well, it appears that stars are increasingly aligning from all sides. For one, the North Korean economy has been under pressure due to international sanctions. This will mean Kim will really want to get to the negotiation table and in turn, has also likely made clear for Kim how much North Korea relies on China for, for example, getting hard currency. And indeed, this relationship between Pyongyang and Beijing has turned decidedly more frosty in recent years, and Kim now has an interest in diluting China's influence by balancing towards the United States. Then, if we take the US perspective, it cannot allow the North Korean nuclear program to grow, as it would enable Pyongyang to attack the US mainland and potentially push it out of the Korean peninsula. And at the same time, the US also wants to decrease the influence of China in the region. Remember, this is one of the key geostrategic imperatives for Washington, is to contain the rise of China. So in other words, there is appetite in Washington to offer some form of concessions and allow for regime survival for Kim, potentially also sweetened with some kind of economic package. And finally, South Korea is also an actor in all of this and definitely has an interest in smoothing along these negotiations. And there you have a government in place that is increasingly pushing for unification and to prevent war at all costs. And this makes sense. If there were to be a war between the US and North Korea, the South, i.e. Seoul, would be absolutely decimated. So South Korea also has an incentive here to see a positive outcome. So taking these factors together, the chances of some form of agreement being reached are pretty good. 
And it also means war is extremely unlikely in the foreseeable future. What does this mean for markets? It means that one of the main geopolitical risks of recent years continues to decline and that this is highly unlikely going to hurt the global economy going forward. And thus, it does not change our ongoing bullish equity view. We continue to look through this North Korea risk. Now, turning to financials, one of our changes for June was to bring down financials from an overweight position back down to a neutral. In our view, a more cautious stance on the sector is now warranted. And this caution is related to what is going on in the European banking space. The US looks different, nowhere near as troublesome, but what is happening in Europe, of course, affects the global index as well. So what's been happening in European banks and why is performance proving such a drag? Well, we have some idiosyncratic factors at work, especially related to the likes of Deutsche Bank, where things appear to be going from bad to worse. But this is also about rising risks for the sector in general, especially related to the renewed political concerns, this time centered around Italy. As we know, the populists have assumed power now in Rome and are looking to push an ever more expansive fiscal policy and also are pushing in a more confrontational direction towards Brussels and Berlin. This will tend to hurt Italian debt, and the problem is a lot of European banks hold this debt, impairing their balance sheets further. Then, if we take this unfavorable political cocktail that we have and throw in on the margin weakening macro data, well, the ECB will be pushed into a more dovish direction, no matter what the recent statements are. What is important for banks as well is where the deposit rate is, not necessarily what is being done with QE. And in this environment of renewed political uncertainty and a less benign growth backdrop, well, then an interest rate hike seems a long way off. And indeed, markets continue to push it ever more into the future. So net interest margins will likely remain under pressure for European banks. And finally, I don't think we need to labour this point too much, but the regulatory backdrop is definitely not favourable either. Compliance costs continue to rise and the ease of doing business in European banks is definitely declining. So bottom line, we get more cautious on global financials. In the US, the prospects are not that bad. The problem is Europe. And note also that this feeds into our general underweight stance on European equities, given the strong representation of the bank subsector in these indices. Right, turning to emerging markets, EM assets have been under pressure again, this time events in Brazil causing concern, and it's good old political problems that are driving this market action. Basically, you've had a situation in Brazil where truckers have been on strike, which has largely been due to higher fuel prices, which have been hitting them directly in their pockets since the government stopped the subsidies back in 2016. There was a massive strike here. Now the government has backed down, is reintroducing the fuel subsidy, which in turn has hurt Petrobras stock very badly. Now, beyond this, Temer remains very much under pressure, Temer being the president of Brazil. And there is also an election coming up in October. So the entire situation here does appear increasingly messy. What's the good news? Well, the good news is that the economy is still doing reasonably well in Brazil and that you have a central bank 
that is taking a clearly orthodox approach to all of this. And the further good news is that it does not affect emerging markets as a whole. And here we are referring specifically to the Asian market. So to reiterate our view here, despite the mess in some countries that we've witnessed in recent weeks, we keep an overweight in emerging markets and focus on Asia and China in particular. So why? Well, growth in China remains robust and is shifting into a healthier direction. So consumption is growing as a share of the economy and services are now booming. And investing in Chinese stocks gives you exactly this kind of exposure, the shift towards consumption, the shift towards services. And given that a lot of this service business is domestically orientated, it also means that we are less exposed to trade war sanctions. On top of this, monetary policy in China is also relatively accommodative, which in turn also further supports this upturn that we're witnessing in the Chinese profit cycle, which in turn has also been aided by the reduction of excess capacity by Beijing. So overall, the EM case is intact for us, but we do have that pivot towards Asia and China in particular in place. But that's it from me. I wish you a fantastic week ahead. Please go to nordiaprivatebanking.com slash podcast dash disclaimer to read a legal disclaimer applicable to this podcast. Thank you.